This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. You know, when we come to the body of Christ, how can we get these words of encouragement? We're not going to get it out there. You're not going to get it on Facebook (laughs) or YouTube. It's only when we gather, we encourage one another. We have this hope. We come together. We encourage, verse 24, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. We need each other more than ever before because there's nothing out there. The world is finding hope and they're finding it the wrong places. When those storms of life come, what helps you hold on to the hope of better days ahead? Opinions of others? Maybe it's the possibility of a promotion. Pastor Eddie challenges us in his message today to find encouragement not in the things of this world, but in people who love Jesus. In this way, it'll be much harder for Satan to derail our thinking or snatch what we hold dear because we've surrounded ourselves with those things that are of God. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Hebrews chapter 10. As he continues his message, hold fast your confession. Through Jesus Christ, because because of Christ, we can enter. Because why? By faith in Christ, our hearts have been sprinkled. From evil conscience, now body washed with the water through Christ. So let us draw near with full assurance. We have Christ. You know, one thing about God, when you see this drawing near, it's important to understand. It's calling you to draw near. God has done everything he needed to do. He created us. He sent his son to die on the cross for us. And now he's calling us, just draw near. Draw near. God would not barge in your life. He would not interrupt your life. There are times, yeah, that God might deliver you uh, from a situation. He said, Lord, that was the Lord. It says, yeah, you just finished praying to me. We're in, we're talking just about an hour ago. I haven't left you yet. But God would not force himself on you. He's not rude. He would not force himself. But we need to make the move. We need to draw near. That's why he's telling us to draw near. God has called the children of Israel, called the children of Israel to draw near. In Jeremiah 29, verses 12 to 14, the Lord said, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. All your heart. Not just half-heartedly, not just at a routine, not at a ritual. I got to go to church. No, with your heart, with all your heart, all your heart. When you seek me, you will find me. James chapter four, verse eight, James write this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. We draw near to him. You may say, well, how close can I get to the Lord? As close as you want to be. 
as close as you want to be. People say, I wish I was more spiritual, more spiritually close to God. Well, you could be as spiritually close to God as you want to be. But you have to draw near. God is never going to say, okay, back up, back up. You draw, you take one step, he'll take two or three. But you need to draw near to him. And when you say, I don't know, you know, I don't think God's hearing my prayers. What did you pray? Oh, yeah. Let me ask you pray. Yeah, pray. You know, I, I don't know if God hears me. Well, God does. You need to pray. Whole heart. That's why when Jesus met the Samaritan woman, Jesus said, you know, after she discovered, wow, this guy's a prophet. He knew that, you know, the man I'm with is not my husband after five divorces, you know. Jesus didn't condemn her. He ministered to her. But she said, I perceive you're a prophet. I said, tell me this. I'm kind of paraphrasing. You know, you Jews worship in Jerusalem, but we serve over here. You know, what did Jesus say? The Father is seeking those who worship him in spirit and in truth. God is spirit. We don't do anything in the flesh when we worship God. I said, come, we don't have interpreting dance out here. You know what I mean? <laughs> I said, come, we don't, you know, the, the worship team, we try not to move you with the music. We try to have the lyrics right dead center because it's not about the singer or the musician. It's about Jesus because we worship him in spirit. It's not in the flesh and in truth. So can one worship God in the flesh and untruthfully? Yes. That's why Jesus said the father is seeking those who worship him in spirit and in truth. We come to him. We draw near to him and understand that when we draw near to him, it is a call in the word of God. Over and over again, we see in the Old Testament, we see in the New Testament, draw near, draw near. God's heart's desire is to be with you. And, and I don't know about you, but I, I don't take lightly my time in prayer. And when I read the Bible, I don't take it lightly. I fear God, but it's a healthy fear of respect. I reverence him. When I'm coming before him, that's how real I know that when I'm talking to him, it's not just me speaking in the air. I come boldly. But I come in reverence and I come in awe. I want to be close to him. I want to be so close to him where I could hear and feel his breath. Can you imagine how close can how close you want to be to God? As close as you want to be. You can't say, I don't feel God. Well, you need to spend time with him. Spend time, draw near to him. So that's the first, draw near in assurance of faith because we have this faith in Jesus. Then the next command to hold fast, let us, the next let us, let us hold fast, verse 23, the confession of our hope. Let us hold on to that hope without wavering for he who promises faithful. The hope, because of Jesus Christ, we call to hold fast, that's to hold tightly, confession of our hope without wavering. All this hope, you know, let me tell you, we... The word hope to a Christian is not like the word love, you know, that's used in the world, it's widely used and, and rarely understood, is used for anything. I'm glad that's a come, you know, when we study the word of God, the word love is in English, multiple, is all over, but, you know, either, you know, agape, phileo, or eros, and there's another one, but it's an agape love. It's an unconditional love. It's not a phileo, bro. We get the word Philadelphia. It's not a brother, but it's, a, it's an agape, unconditional. Not I love you if, when, or because. No, I love you, period. It's a love. But now we're talking about hope. It's different from that of love. 
The hope is not like the hope that we're used to use, the way we use love. I hope is like a wishing on a star or, I, I, or it's a cliche with, with empty promises. I wish I get the job. I wish I get the promotion. You know, I wish I hit the lottery. I hope you don't throw your money away at a lottery. <laughs> but anyway, that's between you and the Lord. <laughs> the kind of hope that's in the Bible, which is a biblical hope, is an expectation. When it comes to hope in the Bible, for a believer in Jesus Christ, is a hope, is expectation. It's expecting something good is going to happen. Why? Because God said it and he keeps his promises. That's why. The hope that Christ will return. He said it, it's going to happen. <laughs> the hope that we have in him, that he would keep us, and that we will be in his presence should we, the day come when we expire, when we die. Can't wait. Can't wait to get to heaven. I don't know about you. I can't wait to get to heaven. It's a biblical hope. And so we're to hold fast on that hope. Why? Look at the end, verse 23. For he who promised is faithful. He's faithful. He who promised of this hope is faithful. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 13. It says, if we are faithless, and we are, <laughs> he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. He is faithful. So the hope that we have is because of Christ. Verses 24 and 25 go together. He said, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Let us consider, and here's love. And as believers in Christ, we need to encourage one another. There's encouraging words. I don't know about you, but I've been in the body of Christ for a long time, a long time. And I can remember a lot of words that were spoken to me that encouraged me, that changed my life up to this day because of faithful people. Being obedient to the word, be obedient to God and encouraging. And we need that. I want to read a story. A story of a young boy by the name of Robert, who one day was walking to school. He came upon an irresistible temptation. In front of him was a fresh piece of gray cement, a piece that he had replaced, that had replaced a broken piece of sidewalk. He immediately stopped and began to scratch his name on the cement. Suddenly, he became aware that standing over him with a garbage can lid in his hand was the biggest stone mason he had ever seen. He tried to run, but the big man grabbed him and shouted, why are you destroying my work? The young boy remembered babbling something about wanting to put his name on the ground. Just then, a remarkable thing happened. The mason released the young boy's arm. His voice softened and his eyes lost their fire. Instead, there was now a touch of warmth about the man. What is your name, son? He says, Robert Maynard. Well, Robert Maynard, the sidewalk is no place for your name. If you want your name on something, go into that school. You work hard and you become a lawyer and you hang your shingle out for all the world to see. And tears came down Robert's eyes. But the mason was not finished yet. What do you want to be when you grow up? 
A writer, I think, he said. The mason's voice burst forth in tones that could be heard over the whole schoolyard. A writer, a writer, be a writer, be a real writer. Have your name on books, not on the sidewalk. And as Robert continued across the street to school, he paused and looked back and the mason was on his knees repairing the damage that Robert scratched his name on the cement. He looked up and saw the young boy watching and repeating, be a writer. Little Maynard did become a writer. In fact, Robert C. Maynard became the first African-American editor and owner of a major daily newspaper in the United States. Powerful words of encouragement needed. And there are many others. But, you know, when we come to the body of Christ, how can we get these words of encouragement? We're not going to get it out there. You're not going to get it on Facebook (laughs) or YouTube. It's only when we gather, we encourage one another. We have this hope. We come together. We encourage. Verse 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. We need each other more than ever before because there's nothing out there. The world is finding hope and they find it at the wrong places. But when they look up at the hill and this is Church Calvary Chapel and other churches like it that are gathering together, why do you gather together? You have nothing in common. Yes, we do. We have Jesus. <laughs> and we encourage one another. What is agape fellowship is not just for the food. It's just for us to encourage one another. That's why we do it. We can go, you know, we could not have agape, and I could just go to a restaurant and eat afterwards. <laughs> but the reason why we do it is so we can fellowship. Just following what they did in the book of Acts. Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, a new covenant I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. How much Christ loves us, death on the cross. That you also love one another, verse 35, by this all will know that you are my disciple if you have love for one another. Let's read verse 25. Let's read 24 into 25 to get better context on this. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Verse 25. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Fellowship was important in that day, even more so today. We need fellowship. We need to gather And apparently some of the believers there in the first read of Hebrews, they weren't going because of persecution. We don't have that problem in America, but yet they're saying that church attendance is dwindling. Why? Maybe we need another wake-up call, a rude awakening, if you will. But they wanted to go back because of persecution. Sadly, their people are not coming to church because of what? Work. Sports. Got to take care of the car. Got to take care of the home. Everything else has a priority. I can't tell you. I can't tell you how many times my wife and I, we hear from couples who have problems with their kids going to church or fellowshipping. Why? Well, we find that a lot of them, not all, most of them, they raise up their children with so much things to do. Well, we put them in school. We had them do sports, karate, you know, all these things. And, you know... (laughs) church had to work around that if church wasn't important when you raised up your child for your child what makes you think that later on they're going to go to church you just raised them up in a way letting them know that other things are more important than church and i shared this story with you before i always wanted to be a baseball player 
I grew up watching the Yankees. Sorry for you, the non-Yankee fans, Mets fans, whatever. I wanted to be. I wanted to play baseball. I remember that one of the coaches from one of the teams lived in our building. I lived in the Bronx, and he said, "You know what? You're really good. We could we could use you." And he, and I said, "Talk to your dad." I said, "Okay, I'll talk to my dad." I said, "Hey, dad, can I?" Go, you know, join the team. He said, okay, uh, when do they have games? Well, Saturdays, Sundays, Sundays, forget about it. That's it. And I started crying. Oh, I want to go. I want to have a uniform. I want to play. I want to be a New York Yankee, you know. Sorry, we go to church. That's, and that was it. And I went to that guy and said, listen, I'm sorry. My dad said no. And let me tell you something. As a little boy, I didn't understand. But I wouldn't be here if I didn't join the baseball team. It's because priority. Church, not going to church in a legalistic, religious way, but because I want to be with the saints and worship God. I don't need therapy. I'm okay. <laughs> Some people might think I am. My wife thinks not your duty. But let me tell you, I went to church. My kids the same way. Sadly, there are people not going to church. Church is essential. When we gather together for worship, we encourage one another, we pray for one another. This way you get the spiritual support. This way you grow spiritually. I'll give you one more story. A father was showing his young son through an old church building. And when they came to a plaque on the wall, the little boy was curious and asked his father, Daddy, what's that for? The father replied, oh, that's a memorial to those who died in service. The little boy asked his dad, which service, Dad? The morning service or the evening? <laughs> you know, going to church, you may say, I'm a Christian, I don't need to go to church. Well, you know, that's right. But you're being disobedient to the Bible. You know, I think Keith said it best. He says, you know, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's make you a hamburger. Okay? In the same way, a spouse who's married does not have to go home. But... How is that going to affect the marriage, you see? Can you imagine? Oh, we're married. Have you ever held hands? No. We Zoomed. That's how really, how can you have relationships? And I have nothing wrong about live streaming. You know, before COVID, we didn't do it because I, I just really didn't care for it. Because, you know, that's okay. If you cannot make it, that's okay. But that became the norm. Church is not Netflix. You can't hug somebody. You can't lay hands on, with anybody. You can't fellowship. All you're doing, once this is done, that's all you're hearing from But you haven't even seen the faces of the people. Your brothers and sisters in Christ. You haven't said hello. You haven't had a cup of coffee with them. That's not church. That's not church. I appreciate it. And it may bless people. God bless you. But that's not church. Church is when we get together. I remember when I would share the gospel with people in my job, I would, you know, you know, they would say, oh, yeah, I think about God. Think about God. Okay. Now I'm saying this, I'm not being real. I say, okay, you know, but you know, thinking about God doesn't mean you're having a relationship with God. <laughs> and I was at work, and I said, right now, I'm at work. I have a relationship with my wife. I'm married. Am I, at this moment, talking? I'm thinking about my wife. I'm at work. I'm thinking about my wife. Right? Am I having a relationship at that moment? No. I said, well, you need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so in the same way, we need to be in the church to have relationship, to have this koinonia. You know, it was, it was a problem back then, 2,000 years ago. Can you imagine? Now, all the more. All the more. Now, I want to close with this. 
he ends the sentence with the day at the very end of verse 25. He's, he goes on to say, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching, the day approaching, the day approaching. Now, some commentators say, well, this is the day uh, talking about the imminent destruction of the temple 70 AD, which haven't taken place yet. The church is still standing the temple. But when you look at the word D, it might be capital D in your, some of your translations because it's referring to a day. Now, here's the important thing. Remember in the beginning I said that is one long sentence in the Greek. It's the last word in the Greek, day. And it implies that is the day of the Lord. And they understood what that meant. It was the day of the Lord. Now, I'm going to close this up for sure. Don't believe preachers. No, I am. This here is ushering. Now we're getting into the application. We're getting into the application. He's encouraging, but also he's giving, going to give warning. And that's going to be, Lord willing, our next study from verses 26 all the way to the very end of chapter 10. Because you remember when we, we studied from chapter 2, chapter 3, 4, we, we said that there was a series of five warnings in the book of Hebrews. In our next study, he's ushering in this warning, the next warning of danger of willful sin. The danger of willful sin. And we have the drifting away. There was a danger of drifting away, chapter 2. There was the danger of unbelief. That's in chapter 3 to chapter 4. The danger of spiritual immaturity. And now we're going to, Lord willing, next week. He's ushering. He's getting ready. So yeah, there's exhortation, but there's always warning. We need to be careful. We need to stay close to the Lord. We need to draw near. Let us. And so we let us draw near in faith. In faith in God. Let us draw near in hope. Hope. God is in the expectation. He's going to fulfill what he says. Let us draw near in love with one another. Saints, if anything, whatever the Lord has put in your heart and ministered to you in our study, just remember, we have unlimited access to draw near to God. Yes, we come boldly, confidently, but understand that it is sacred. When you open your Bible, this is sacred. A lot of blood was lost to get this book in our hands. You know how many Christians died? The writers? When we get on our knees, are we speaking to the air? Do we believe in the God that we're praying to? Are we in worship? Are we really worshiping just following the bouncy ball? Are we worshiping God in spirit and in truth? Draw near to God. He'll draw near you. You get as close to God as you want to. Do it reverently. Do it boldly. Amen. You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie's been digging into the book of Hebrews in a series called Jesus is Better. This book touches on so many amazing things, but really ties in the Old Testament covenant with the new. The author mentions the importance of the high priest and the sacrifices that were made. But the point is that Jesus became the high priest and also the sacrificial lamb for all people. Isn't it amazing how Jesus fulfilled all that was in the Old Testament? It's because Jesus became the high priest that now we can go to him for our strength, our courage, and our hope. Another way to come to God is in prayer. Jessica wants to tell you more about this. Prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the lost to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience. 
and that what's shared will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program, and we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a Give tab at runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. While you're there, you can find all sorts of information about Calvary Chapel of Milford. And if you're in the area, we'd love to have you come visit on a Sunday morning. You'll find service times and directions on our website, runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks for listening to Running the Race.